Well, it's like we always say, like my relationship with God is, uh, it's not private, but it is certainly personal. I don't see him as being human, so you can't have a human relationship with him. Naniniwala ako na tayo mayroong personal na relationship sa Diyos dahil sa scripture at sa pagmamahal natin sa anak niyang si Jesus. There are people who believe that that uh, uh, what shirt I put on this morning, that, that God cared what shirt I put on. That's nonsense. I do think God is so big and so vast that um, we'll never get to know him exhaustively. I felt like I heard a voice from heaven speak to my situation and tell me that everything was going to be okay. And I've lived a blessed life since then, since turning my life to God. You have to experience it for yourself. I think it's, it's something hard to describe unless you're actually willing, willing to go there. So I had to do one of those customer service phone calls this week, you know, the kind where you call in and you've got a, a menu that you have to listen to and then you got to press one of the buttons. Or in this case, it was one where they actually wanted you to like speak what one you wanted. So, you know, I'm like yelling on the phone, four, right? You know, and uh, uh, but I know the secret, maybe you know this too, that if you just press zero, you'll get a real person to talk to, right? So I was doing that. So picture this, I'm like yelling numbers in the phone and saying I'm pulling it away and trying to hit zero. And it wasn't working. I wasn't getting a real person. I just kept getting the next set of menus that I had to talk to or getting set back to the last set of menus. And I'd been on the phone for about four minutes now and uh, was probably four or five menus deep. And I was getting really frustrated. And I finally just kind of yelled into the phone, I just want to talk to a real person. And that actually worked. It actually sent me... <laughs> to a real person to talk to. It was kind of cool. So, But I, I tell you that story because of this. Here's my question. Why is it that it seems like that the more technology we get that's supposed to connect us with other people, the further from other people we seem to be? I mean, uh, it, it seems like with all the social media that we have, things like Facebook and Instagram and, and different ways to connect with people with text message threads and email and, and Skype and uh, FaceTime and all those kinds of things, we should be more connected with people than ever. And I guess in some ways we are, and yet study after study shows we're like lonelier than ever. And, and people have this deep desire for meaningful, personal relationships with people, relationships that are deep and lasting, and they just feel like those are lacking in their lives. Now, over uh, these last weeks, we've been looking at some pretty big theological questions, haven't we? Things like, is there a God? Um, is Jesus God? If, if there is a God, why do we suffer? Why is there pain and struggle in our lives? And these are deep theological questions. They're not necessarily very personal, though, are they? But this last week of this Explore God series, as Jill said, we're turning to one last question, and that question is a personal one. We want to get really personal this week. The question is, can I know God personally? Now, if you were here the week we talked about Is There a God, I told the story of this guy. His name's Francis Collins. He's a very, very smart guy, a, a, a very, very um, well-known scientist. He's one of the guys that helped us decode the human genome, and he was raised as an atheist. He was raised believing there was no God. And I shared about how he, he got to that point in his life where he believed he had to research that well so he could, he could say why he didn't believe in God, so he could prove why God didn't exist. And all his research led him in the exact opposite direction. In fact, at, at one point, he finally realized, oh my gosh, 
I believe in God. I believe there's a God. But what I didn't tell you about his story is about what he thought next. In one of his books, he describes that moment when he was sitting at his kitchen table and he realized, oh my gosh, I really believe in God. And the very next thought he had, the the next thing that came to mind is, he thought, I wonder what God thinks of me. Notice how it got personal right away? He went from, I don't believe in God, to, oh my gosh, I believe there really is a God. And his very next thought was, does that God care about me? Is that God mad at me? Does that God like me? How does that God feel about me? Folks, the heart of the Christian message is very simply this, that God loves you. That God does care about you. That you can know God personally. That is the heart of what we believe as Christians. That is the central teaching of God's word, a God who is loving and caring and wants to know you and be known by you. And and so today I want to talk with you about that a little bit. In fact, I want to take a look at three aspects of that with you. I want to first of all talk about the priority of knowing God. And then I want to talk with you about the pathway to knowing him, exactly how that happens. And then finally, I want to get really practical as we end this series and talk about what that practice of knowing God looks like, what we do every day to experience that relationship with him. And uh, some of you were looking up there going, three P words. Is Dan Grissom preaching this morning? Not Mark, but... uh... But, but no, that's this, this kind of the map I want to follow with you today as we answer this question, can I know God personally? So let's start with this idea about the priority of knowing him. I think a lot of you know I used to teach, and I used to teach 7th and 8th grade. I was a junior high teacher. And one year, uh, the principal gave me a heads up. There was a young lady, a, a young girl that was going to be in my class that year, my 7th grade class, whose parents had just gone through an ugly divorce that summer. And uh, so the principal gave me a heads up, kind of a warning, so I could keep an eye on her and see if that was going to affect her schoolwork. But here was the interesting thing I noticed right away. It was affecting her, but in a very interesting way. See, her dad had moved out of the house because of that divorce, and now her dad's answer uh, to that problem was he just showered her with gifts. She, you know, first day of school, she had the new coolest clothes and the coolest shoes. She had a brand new backpack. And, and as the year went on, just every time you turned around, her dad had given her something new that she was showing off to the other kids. And, and that went on not only during seventh grade year, during eighth grade year as well. And it kind of culminated at the end of her eighth grade year, her dad decided he was going to throw her a graduation party downtown at Harry Carey's restaurant. It was the coolest graduation party I had ever been at. I mean, he rented out the whole upper floor of the restaurant. He made sure Harry Carey himself was there to welcome us when we showed up for the party. His dad, her dad pulled out all the stops uh, so that he could show his little girl how much he cared about her, right? And, and threw this amazing party for her. But at one point, I was, I, I was going out to go to the bathroom, and I walked out into the hallway, and there she was with her mom, and she was just in tears. And the mom kind of beckoned me over, and I came over to talk to them, and I, and I said, what's wrong? How, can I help? And, and, and the girl looked at me. She said, I just found out my dad's not coming. And, and then she said this, and I will never forget these words. She looked at me, and she said, Mr. Schultz, I don't want my dad's stuff. I want my dad. Now, I tell you that because I think a lot of Christians think their relationship with God is all about their dad's stuff, Right? 
I mean, think about what we pray about. We pray about stuff that we want God to do for us or have for us in our life. We think about healing that we want God to bring into our life. When, when, we, when we pray to God all too often, most of what we're talking about and most of what our relationship with him is all about is all about his stuff. And now, by the way, that's not bad that we do that. God wants us to bring our request to him. He wants to shower us with blessings in our life. He wants to bring us healing and, and comfort and, and joy in our life. He wants us to have those things. But first and foremost, God wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us not to want our dad's stuff. He wants us to want our dad. From the very beginning in God's word, we see this, that when God first created human beings, Adam and Eve, he, he created them to be in relationship with him. We're told in Genesis chapter 3 that every day God would come and take a walk with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that he had created in the cool of the afternoon. He would, he would just love to come every day and spend time with Adam and Eve, to be in relationship with Adam and Eve. And then that one day happened when that relationship was broken, right? Because they had sinned. And God shows up for his daily walk with Adam and Eve, and they're not there. You remember why? They knew what they had done was wrong, and they're hiding from him. And do you remember the first words God speaks when he shows up that day? He says, where are you? Where are you? And, uh, and one theologian I was reading this week said, he believes that that's the summary of the whole rest of the Bible, that God is asking that question, where are you? The whole rest of the message of Scripture is God seeking to restore a broken relationship with the human beings that he created and loves, with you and with me. We see that when Jesus shows up years later, too. I love this verse from Mark chapter 3 when Jesus is calling his first disciples. Look at what it says. He says, he went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. And look at what he says he made them apostles for. What's the first thing that they were supposed to do? So that they might be with him. Just that simple. Jesus called his disciples, and yeah, it was part of some grand plan Jesus had, but first and foremost, it was all about relationship. He just wanted friends to hang around with. He wanted people to be with. Later on, those same disciples, he's teaching them, and it's near the end of his ministry, and, uh, and he's talking with them, and he, he says this, he says, don't, you know, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. In other words, the whole point of Jesus' ministry, the whole point of what he came here to do was to give his life so that we could be restored in our relationship with God so that eventually one day we can spend eternity with our God. It's all about Jesus coming to restore our relationship with our God. Folks, when we talk about the priority of a relationship with God, we need to know and understand that for God, that is his first priority. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe, the most important thing to that God is you and a relationship with you. It's knowing you and being known by you. It's loving you and being loved by you. That's God's first priority. It's what drives everything he does. So here's the challenge for you. What's your first priority? 
I don't know about you, but it becomes so easy for me to let other things get in the way of that relationship, doesn't it? And uh, all too often, if I'm honest, it would be hard for me to say my first priority in life is my relationship with God. God puts you first. Can we do the same? Let me say, okay, I'm on. I, I, I'm, I, I'm in, Mark. I, I want that. I want that closeness with God. I want that relationship to him. But the problem is sometimes God feels so far away. I pray to him, and it doesn't seem like he's there listening. I, 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 uh, I, I try to experience his presence in my life, but I don't feel anything. I don't experience anything. It's not like, you know, my friend that I could just talk to. God seems far away. What's the pathway? How do I get to God? How do I get to that relationship to him? And by the way, that's not a new question. People have been asking that question for years. In fact, Jesus' disciples asked that same question. Later on in that same chapter of John where Jesus was talking about preparing a place for his disciples, Philip comes to him, and, and he's got that same question. He says, he says, basically he says to Jesus, yeah, I want a relationship with God, but, but I, he feels far away. And so he says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. That's all we need. Just, just show us the Father. And do you remember what Jesus said back? He's like, Philip, you've been with me all this time? And you don't realize that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, Jesus said, Philip, that's what I came to do. That's what I've been doing with you for the last three years. I've been showing you the Father. Folks, the reality is the secret to a relationship with God, the pathway to a relationship with our Creator is Jesus. Jesus is the one. That's what he came to do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did you know that the earliest Christians didn't call themselves Christians? That happens years later. The people in Antioch started calling them Christians, and they kind of adopted that term. But before that, do you know what Christians called themselves? They called themselves the way. They were talking about Jesus. Jesus is the pathway to God. He is the answer to our relationship with God. Do uh, any of you have this happen to your headphones when they're in your backpack? How does this happen? I mean, I, I take my headphones and I very carefully coil them up into a nice, organized loop and I put them in my backpack. Two minutes later, this is what comes out. What's going on inside that backpack? I don't know. I don't get it. But, uh, but maybe you've experienced this. You pull out this tangled mess and you look at it for a minute and you pull on this and you push on that and you try to feed that through there and nothing's working. And then all of a sudden you find that one loop that you go, well, wait a minute, and you pull that, and boom, it just all comes apart, right? <laughs> I think that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus is that one thing that if you get that right, if you pull that right, all of a sudden everything makes sense. We, we make a tangled mess of our lives, and, and it seems like our relationship got, with God is ruined as a result. But Jesus is the way, he's the path to make it all make sense, to get it untangled, to get it all the way it's supposed to be. So if the first priority for God and for us should be our relationship with one another, and if the pathway to that relationship, the secret to that relationship is Jesus, then let's just get really practical with these last few minutes together, and I want to show you four ways that we actually can put that into practice every day of our lives. If you want a relationship with God, if you want to experience the power of that relationship in your life, Here's what you do, four simple things. The first one is this, 
Just trust him. It's just that easy. Jesus said, believe in me. Believe in the God who sent me. It's just that easy. Folks, I think a lot of people think that before they can have a relationship with God, they've got to do something. They've got to maybe clean up a certain sin in their life and get that sin problem fixed, and then they can have a relationship with God. Or they think they have to you know, go to church a certain number of times before they get the, the status level that says, okay, now you're eligible to be friends with God. Or they think there's a, there's a certain um, amount of the Bible that they have to read and memorize, or just a certain way that they have to behave. The truth is none of those things are true. God doesn't attach any conditions to your friendship with him except for this one, just trust him. Just believe in him. And by the way, even even that trust is a gift that he gives us, the ability to know him and to love him and to trust in him. Folks, the first step each day to experiencing the power of a relationship with God in your life is simply trust him. And then, ask him. Have you ever prayed this prayer? I think it's a dangerous prayer to pray because I guarantee you God will do something if you pray it. If you say to God, God, just make yourself known to me. Reveal yourself to me today, Lord. He will do it. You know, one of the blessings of this series that we've been doing, this Explore God series, is there's a ton of video resources out there, and we've used some of those videos uh, during these weeks. I want to share one more of those videos with you. Why don't you take a minute and watch this? We believe in the things we can touch and see. We can put our feet on the floor. We can feel water on our hands. Like, we believe in those things. But God is even more real than the things we can see and touch. It does sound crazy to say that you can know God personally, especially when we think of our human relationships, that we know our parents, that we know our spouse or the person we're dating, that we know our children or know our best friend. It's hard to think that we would know God in that way when we can't see God, we can't hug God, we can't do the things we're used to doing in our human relationship, but there's another side of us as human beings. We are in our bodies and we do have a mind, but we also have souls and we have a spirit inside. And that is a part of us that sometimes in our everyday life, we don't tap into, we don't connect to that. I was an only child for 10 years until my sister was born. So when you're an only kid, you don't have other siblings. You use your imagination and you play, you know. I had my stuffed animals and my Barbie dolls. I had all those things. And I think sometimes in our life, when we don't have certain things, in a way, it does give us a chance to broaden our minds in a way. And so I feel like there have been times of life that have been lonely that give me that opportunity to also get to know God and that I'm not alone. And so one thing that I would say to a friend who asked me recently, like how how, how do you pray? And when you pray, how do you know that God is listening? How do you know that God's hearing you? And all I can say is, 
just try. I know it might feel weird. You're in your apartment or in your house or whatever. It might feel weird. You're like, what are you saying? You're telling me to open up my mouth out loud and talk to someone that I can't see, you know? And I'm saying, yeah, I want you to try. I think a great place to start with our faith and with trusting is we just gotta try a little thing. And sometimes that little thing is maybe to have that moment where you're gonna say, all right, you know, in whatever way I talk to God, I'm gonna try that today. Or whatever way I think I can write something to God, I'm gonna try that. Or I'm gonna open up this Bible. I've heard a lot about it, but I'm gonna open it up and I'm gonna try just reading a little bit for myself. I think that's a great place to start. Just try. Ask God to show you who he is. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that. I mean, actually talk to God. Just, just have a conversation. And, and I want to encourage you to do it out loud. A lot of us, I think we're taught to pray just kind of in our head, right? To just kind of, you know, bow our heads and, and just think some stuff. There's something different about just opening your mouth and talking to God. And you know, if you want to do that in the car when no one else is around so you don't feel so weird, or, or, or maybe in your room at home, but if you've never tried it, just talk to him. Tell him what's on your mind like you would a, a friend who is just in the room with you. Just ask him to show himself to you. You might be amazed at what happens. Third, the third practical thing I want to share with you today is spend some time in his word. I, I'm, again, I'll challenge you today. Go home today or, or tomorrow morning and get out your Bible and turn to the book of John and just start reading those stories about Jesus. And, and look at the kinds of things that Jesus says and the places that Jesus goes and the people that Jesus hangs around with and the, and the things that he does. You know, when I look back at my life and I look at those times when I felt really close to God, one of the things that lines up with that is it's a time when I was regularly in God's word. And when I look at my life and I, and I see times where God felt further away, more distant, when it was harder to feel his presence in my life, that those times correspond to times when I've let other things get in the way of my regular time in his word. Folks, I guarantee you, the more time you spend in his word, the more real and alive Jesus becomes for you. And finally this, recognize that over time your relationship with God will grow. When I think about my favorite couple ever, I think about my grandparents. They were married 55 years when my grandmother died. And, uh, and here's the kind of cool thing. I was born on their 29th wedding anniversary. So if you do the math, that means the day they celebrated 50 years as a couple was my 21st birthday. That was a good party. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> but, uh, but, but honestly, the reason they were my favorite couple wasn't just because I was born on their anniversary. It, it was because it, it just seemed like every day they just loved each other more and more. I remember one time, they'd probably been married, I don't know, 45, maybe it was getting close to 50 years at the time, and I looked over, and uh, they were sitting on the sofa watching TV, and they were just, they were holding hands. I'm like, oh my gosh, after all these years, they still hold hands, that's cool. 
Now, here's the thing, though. Were they any more married at 55 years than they were the day the pastor said, I pronounce you husband and wife? No, right? They were just as married that first day. But their marriage did grow. Their relationship changed over those years. It got to the point where, you know, they would finish each other's sentences. And, uh, and sometimes they would just sit there, and they'd sit there for like an hour and not say a word because they didn't have to because they already knew what each other were going to say, right? They just loved to be together. Folks, it can be the same with your relationship with God. Even though the moment you were baptized, the moment when that water was poured on your head and God worked through that water to make you his child, your relationship with God was full and free and complete in that moment. You're not any more in relationship with God now than you were then, but that relationship is different. And over the years, as you talk to God, as you spend time with God, as you cultivate that relationship with him, as you spend time in his word, your relationship will grow. That's God's plan for us all. So can you know God personally? Yes. I want to end the message with one last image from God's word. It comes from the book of Revelation, right near the end of the Bible. Jesus is talking to his people, and he says this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. In other words, Jesus is saying to you and to me this morning that he is just waiting for you to open that door. He's just waiting for you to open up your life to him. And the moment you do that, he promises he will come into your life. He will be with you in your life. You'll experience a personal relationship with him unlike anything else you've ever imagined or experienced. That's his promise. That's my prayer for each one of us that we would pray that dangerous prayer, that we would say, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you, and I don't, I, just, I don't want to just know about you. I don't just want your stuff. I want you in my life. Let's pray about that right now. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you came into this world for one reason, to restore us in a relationship with you and with your Father and Spirit, to draw us closer to you, you forgave our sins. You, you conquered sin and death with us, all for one reason, so that we can be with you. Lord, these last weeks, we've looked at some pretty big theological questions. We've looked at why we believe that there is a God. We've looked at the evidence for your existence. We've looked at uh, the reason why we know that Jesus was sent by you. We, we've looked at all these big theological questions, Lord, but in the end, it comes down to one simple thing, this incredible message that you want to know us and be known by us. You want to love us and be loved with us, by us. You want to be in a relationship with us. You want to not only be our God, you want to be our friend. Lord, we desperately need that. We need you in our lives. Lord, show yourself to us. Reveal yourself to us. Draw us ever closer to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd also hear us as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.